You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. God's an amazing God, isn't he? He he keeps speaking, he keeps working. And just when you think you know what you're going to preach on, he speaks something totally different to you. And so I came this... uh, (laughs) We came over last night and uh, we stayed, what was it, Munstone? Munstone House. Sounds posh, isn't it? Munstone House. Or oh, it's definitely decaying grandeur. Beautiful, but it has seen its best days. Can I just say, that's how most people view the church. Seen its best days, decaying grandeur, been good. What we've seen today is something completely different. In Ross... In Lemons, how do you say it? Lemster. I want to say Leominster. I'm sorry. Come on, I'm Welsh, right? And no one can say any of the places we live in. So I, you know, I can get one of yours wrong once in a while. So that place and uh, and Hereford. I can do that one. And the plans that God's got for you are not what has been, but what is to be. And that is so exciting. But anyway, I came with a plan. I was going to preach on Jesus saying, "All authority is mine." And this morning, I felt God saying, "No, I want you to speak on." the hope of eternity. I want you to speak on the hope of eternity that's in hearts. And it came from that. I kind of heard that first and felt, yeah, I'd do that. I put the radio on and it was all about Harry and uh, as everything is at the moment. But the heartbreaking thing was you suddenly realise here's a lad who never came to terms with a death and that has shaped the life. And then I saw a message of a, a church I oversee in, um, in uh, the Valley's Family Church where a dear lady has just passed away. And all the comments were, she's gone to glory. And suddenly you saw this picture of the hope of eternity. So I want to speak on the hope of eternity. So often our lives can be caught up into just our bit. And sometimes it's good for God to say, no, lift your heads and see the big picture. Let me read you this. When my parents passed away, me and my brothers, my sister, were clearing up the house. And we found this article written about my grandfather from Sangaina. And it says this, Mr. Thomas G. Davis, for Green Meadow Terrace, Sangaina, who has died aged 87, was one of the Garu Valley's outstanding and best known Christian personalities. He wouldn't have said that himself. He was too humble and self-effacing. He preferred talking about his faith rather than himself. But others have been saying it, not only in the chapels of the valley, but also in the clubs and the pubs. Many Garu Valley uh, miners have been recalling with tremendous respect their admiration they had for him when he worked with them. Mr. Davis was converted as a result of a revival campaign in the Garu Valley and is the fire of enthusiasm and eternity always burnt in him. And let me just read this. Of Mr. Tom Davis, it could be truly said, he lived his faith in such a way that other men found it easier to believe in God. What more could any man ask? Me and my brother found that. We read it and we both looked at each other and said, that's what we want to have said of us. That we live in such a way 
it makes it easier for other people to believe in God. And when I think of my grandfather, I think, well, what is it that was in him? And it was the hope of eternity. He always had this hope of eternity, wherever he went. As a young boy, 14, he was down in the mines and he was working with his dad. And they were, my, his dad was pushing the, the, the sort of trolley and, and my grandpa was pulling it. And then they, my great-grandfather said, swap over, Tom. I, I want to pull for a bit. So they swapped over and then the mine collapsed and killed his father. And he, I, he often would talk about this and he said this but I know my father knew Jesus. So I know that was not goodbye. And he had this hope. And we live in a day where people lack hope. In fact, there's so much fear, isn't it? It's just terrifying, really. You know, you put on the news, it's like, fear, 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 fear. Have you had enough yet? No, here comes more. You know, it's just like, come on. You know, they used to. When I was growing up in the nine o'clock news, they used to have, um, they used to have the, and finally, which was the cheery bit. You know, and now, and finally, there's more doom coming your way. Do you know what? There's a new COVID. And this time, just to make it a little bit more scary, we've called it Kraken. Come on, you know, come on, give me some hope, you know, there's nothing. But we as the people of God live with hope. Let me read you this from 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 to 18. It says this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What a brilliant passage, right? I'm just going to take a little time now unpacking it. And hopefully it will excite you. It will take away any fear of death. And it will provoke you to live a life that makes it easier for others to believe in God. But here we go. What was Paul writing into? Well, we know in Acts 17 that the church in Thessalonica was birthed. And it's an incredible story. You know, as a church planter, I find this really, really, really challenging, right? Paul and his team were in Thessalonica for three weeks. Three weeks. They go into Thessalonica. And because of the popularity and what was happening there's opposition comes against them and persecution comes against them. And so suddenly they, they, uh, people are arrested and others. And so it's, it's basically decided, do you know what, Paul and team, it's best for you to move on. And so they move on, having planted this church for three weeks. And then after a while, Paul says, I wonder what's happening back in Thessalonica. Timothy, 
why don't you go and find out? Now, I love the fact they send Timothy, because it says elsewhere, you know, Timothy, actually, you know, it says to the church in Corinth, when Timothy comes to you, please make sure he's got nothing to fear. Could you imagine if Timothy had said to you last, you know, next week, uh, last week, saying, we've got Andrew Davis coming. When he comes, please make sure he's got nothing to fear. You'd be thinking, here comes Andrew, creeping in, you know, terrified. Timothy goes to Thessalonica, the church that's been under persecution, to find out what's going on. And what he finds is astonishing. What he finds is a church that is thriving, a church that is growing, a church that is influencing and affecting churches all around the region. Three weeks! Core! I look forward to the day where you can do going to Ledbury in three weeks' work, a church is birthed and is going on. Cool, you get excited, isn't it? Three weeks. But there's one thing that is disturbing to Paul. And they've obviously got hold of the returning of Christ. And they're living with the return of Jesus. Can I just say, we don't talk about that enough. We really don't. We don't talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride. And what motivates us to keep planting and keep going is because we're building a bride that one day he's going to look down from heaven and say, gosh, she's beautiful. Time for the wedding to take place. That's, we don't talk, but Paul has obviously put it in them. And so they've got this passion. Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. And then members of the church are dying. We don't know if it's because of persecution or whether it's just old age or illness, but people are dying. And they are by the grave, and they're saying, they're not going to see Jesus return. And they are grieving like those who have no hope. And so Paul writes these words to them to say, no, no, I need to set the record straight. And you need to know you have hope. Even at death, there is hope. And these are the reasons for it. He had to set the record straight. I, um, a few months ago, found a sermon of my dad preaching in a church in Cardiff I used to lead. And he's now gone to be with the Lord. But in the sermon, in the middle of it, suddenly he goes, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus. Do you know you're going to see Jesus? And actually, I, my response was, and you're seeing him right now, Dad. There was that moment. We can have hope. You know, I've conducted funerals of people who have walked with Jesus, and it's full of hope. Yeah. It's full of hope. So how is it that we have these hopes? Well, firstly, because we can know what happens after death. Paul wrote, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. In other words, you can know. (laughs) There's enough truth in the Bible to tell you, you know what happens. You've got nothing to fear. There was a little boy once called Mike, and he wrote this. Dear God, what is it like after a person dies? Nobody will tell me. I just want to know. I don't want to do it. Your friend Mike. (laughs) But actually, people, what is there after death? You know, it's interesting that some of the things that have come out about the book of Prince Harry, 
What's one of the saddest things? He went to see a psychic. We had this with our next door neighbour. She died in a car crash. They didn't believe in anything. And every day I'd go in with a meal for them, for her husband, and be there. And she, he would used to say things like, I'm glad I don't believe in a God who would let things like this happen. Where's this God now? And I say, That's, well, you know, here, have, have tea. <laughs> and, and then one day I go in and he says, oh, it's amazing. He says, I, we went to see a spiritualist. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> let's see a spiritualist. And it was incredible because a spiritualist looked at Em and said, I'm so glad you've got your mother's rings. I'm thinking, I could say that. She's wearing the things. You know, I'm so glad I'm doing up the rooms. He's got paint all over his hand. Yeah, and you're there thinking, this is horrible. And then I felt God say, just go for it, Andrew. So I said, that's interesting. Trouble is, that's not what you wanted to hear, is it? I said, you wanted to hear that she forgave you for the argument you just had before she stormed out of the house. And he just said, Andrew, leave. Let's just say, over the coming months, we had some more interesting conversations. God came into the situation. We can know. We can know. Let me describe it like this. God in eternity. There he is, in eternity. Three and one. Fully God. And then speaks creation into being. And in creation being, into being came time. And here's the timeline, right? <laughs> you didn't realize it was orange, but there it is, orange. There's the timeline. Time is surrounded by eternity. God is in eternity. God can see the whole of time. God can break into any moment of time that he wishes to, because he is God, and he's in eternity. And right at the start... When time is spoken and creation comes into being, we have this amazing point where eternity and time are together. And we see it in Eden, where Adam and Eve walk with God. There is this incredible moment where eternity and time come together. God walks with Adam and Eve. And it is this beautiful relationship. And in this relationship, authority is given to Adam and Eve, authority given by God to care for the creation, to care for earth. They're given this authority. And then we know they handed that authority to Satan. It wasn't God who gave any authority to Satan. When Adam and Eve sinned, they took the authority that had been given to them by God and handed it to Satan. And that beautiful picture of eternity and time is broken. But the beautiful thing about God is his plan was always going to stay the same. He always wanted a way for those in time to connect to eternity. And so throughout all the time, from Adam and Eve, the story, the promise, there will be a day, there will be a day, there will be one that will connect you back with eternity. There will be one who will restore the authority that humanity is to carry. There will be one who will restore the right relationship. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then you think of this, what a saviour. 
that Jesus, when he spoke the world into being, when he spoke time into being, knew that he himself would have to come and be part of it. And we've just had Christmas and that beautiful image of the the Son of God, the King of Kings, the great I Am, the Word of God becoming human. Fully God, but fully human. And there's that song we some, you know, you hear has been sung, you know, Mary, did you know? Do you know an answer? Yes, she did. Mary held that baby knowing that this was God. <laughs> what an incredible, incredible moment. Joseph, he's there, he's here. The promise came. And then we know that Jesus, for 33 years, lived in time modelling, actually, a spirit-filled life for us. And then we have that extraordinary moment where suddenly authority comes on him at a baptism. And the Spirit of God rests on him. And the father says, that's my boy. Didn't realise how well she was, here. Oh, you know, that's my boy. Oh, lovely, isn't he? You know, and there he was, that moment. It's no surprise Satan turned up again, is it? Have you ever thought of the temptations of Christ being Eden re- being replayed? There it is, Eden being replayed. Satan comes again and says, I want that authority. And Jesus says, no. He does it. Re-establishes what humanity was to be. Carrying authority. And then his death and resurrection. And that was eternity kissing time. That moment suddenly changes the whole of time. Suddenly it's a doorway for everyone who has died, who believed in God, everyone following who believes in Jesus Christ, their Lord and Saviour. That is the doorway to eternity. And so we, as people who know Jesus can have this incredible hope. Death is not the end. We know it is different. On top of that, it says in Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity in our heart. There is a longing in us. We know there's more. And the cross and resurrection proves that there's more. The second thing for us as believers is that death is falling asleep. It's like falling asleep. Do you know, for the Greeks and the Romans, graveyards were scary places. It was full Halloween. It was full spirits roaming. No one would go to a graveyard. It was Christians who started talking about it as cemeteries. And cemetery is the Greek word for barracks. Cemetery is a Greek word for army barracks. And what do people do in an army barrack? They sleep. And how are they woken? So when we talk about a cemetery, it's the army barracks. People have gone to sleep to be woken by the sound of the trumpet, the sound of the return. Suddenly, falling asleep doesn't seem scary. You know, I remember as a kid, been put in your pyjamas on a journey home 
We've gone to see Grandma and Grandpa, and it's like we're travelling home. You get in your pyjamas, you get in the car, and the next thing you know, it's the next morning, and you're being woken. <laughs> For us, that's what death is. We go through, and we're woken by the sound of the trumpet. The third truth is we know it's safe. Now, I love, there's a program, an old program now, didn't realize it, called The West Wing, right? I love it. And, and my family always laugh at me. When I start watching The West Wing, it's because life is getting too much for me. And I want to watch something that is kind of, takes me out. I can relax and kind of know what's going to happen. And I like the president in that one. And kind of, it's kind of, you know, you kind of, it's kind of, you feel like the world's a safe place when you watch The West Wing. But one of the funny things, of course, is this. Where, the Secret Service, whenever the president is about to turn up and come into a room, what happens? The Secret Service, Service, Secret Service come in and check that it's safe. They go everywhere. Check, 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 check. Safe, 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 safe. Okay, you can now come in. There's a very funny scene where one, uh, the chief of staff is coming to see her boyfriend and she's there at the door. He's there the other side. But before she's allowed to walk into the room, the Secret Service have to check. Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? They then say, it's safe. And so they can walk in. Do you know what? That's what Jesus has done. How do you know death is safe? Because Jesus has gone through it, then come out of it and said, safe for you now. I've done it. Death, stink. You can go in now. <laughs> it's safe. We know it's safe because Jesus has gone through it. And come out and said, all authority is mine. I've done it. The fourth truth is, of course, we are full of hope. Hope of reuniting, hope of reconnection, hope of seeing Christ in life. You know, as I said, my neighbor's funeral was the worst funeral I've ever been to. It was like burying a dog. Thanks for the memories. And as we came out, all my other neighbours said to Liz and me, said, we don't want to have a funeral like that. How would you do a funeral? So that night up at the pub, we talked them all through how we'd do a funeral. And they were all saying, oh, we'd rather that. Because <laughs> no one actually wants to believe there's nothing. People out there don't want to believe there is nothing. People try to make it sound nice, but it isn't. I had a conversation with my neighbour recently and there was that lady who died of cancer and she used to do a podcast called The Big C and, and, and he's, um, he goes out with the ambulances, paramedic. And he, he, he said to me, he says, do you know what? He said, what really irritates me about it all is they try to make death glamorous. And it's not. It's horrible. There's no hope. So I said, well, actually there is. There is hope. Not glamorous, but there is hope. And they end up having a, a wonderful conversation. So what do we see in this passage? Well, there's living hope. Basically, you're either going to be resurrected or you're going to be here when Jesus turns up. <laughs> right? So you've got two options. Once you know Jesus, you're either going to wake up at the sound of the trumpet and because of the gateway that's now been made for eternity kissing time, you're going to wake up and go, whoa, he's here. Or you're going to be there and say, oh, here he is. And I think this, just want to say this, we're all promised resurrection bodies, even if you didn't die, right? 
I don't want to spend eternity bald, okay? I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I am <laughs> not going to be bald for eternity. When we meet him, we get a resurrected body. I know I need a resurrected body because whenever I come into the power of God, I fall over. I don't want to spend eternity falling over and shaking. I want to stand in his presence and worship him. So either we wake and there he is, or we see him coming. But both ways we meet him. Both ways we're at the greatest party ever. And can I just say, eternity, time. I think the moment you fall asleep, you wake up at the return of Christ. You leave time and you're in eternity. You're not just waiting, 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 waiting. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. So either you're there, whoo, he's coming, or you're, hey, (laughs) here I am. We're there with him, seeing him, celebrating. What we see is a reunion. We reunite with those who have gone before. There's great unity, great reunion, seeing those who have walked with Jesus. Now, some people say, do you think we'll recognize each other in heaven? Well, it's obvious we will. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus comes and walks up and you, you know, they see the, the, they see the God really in Jesus. They see that, that's the moment where whew, they see the power of who he is. But either side, there's Elijah and Moses. What you don't have is Peter saying, well, there's Jesus. He looks good, doesn't he? But who are those two asexual beings either side of him? He says, there's Moses. There's Elijah. Now, if you want a picture of the grace of God, there it is. Moses, because of what he did, is told this, in life you will not be able to stand in the promised land. But what did one thing Moses say? God, show me your glory. What was one thing Elijah said? Show me your glory. And suddenly you've got Moses standing in the promised land alongside the Messiah. Kind of get the feeling as they went back into eternity, the father turning and saying, was that enough of my glory? (laughs) What a picture though, the grace of God. In time they didn't do it, but in eternity they did. Third, Third thing is there's a lasting relationship. Paul says, you will be with Jesus forever. No end. We will be full of hope and with him forever and ever. Time will end and we're with him in eternity forever. Sometimes people don't like to talk about heaven. I remember one time, it was a church in Putney we were helping lead many years ago. It was in a an old Spurgeon's building, and we had about four generations of dead pigeons up in the attic, and, and every now and then a feather would come down. There was nothing spiritual about it, because it would often be followed by a maggot. And there was one January, it was cold, the heating wasn't working, and I remember we'd just sung Shine, Jesus, Shine for the 79th time, and suddenly the worship leader goes, just think, guys, we've got eternity to do this, and everything, you no! 
Sometimes we think, what's it going to be like? Eternity is going to be amazing. Why do we need to have eternity with God? Because it's going to take eternity for us to understand the grace of God. It's going to take eternity for us to fully enjoy him. It's going to take eternity for us to understand his holiness. If you notice around the throne, they keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's not because they're stuck in a song. There's a constant revelation of his holiness. It flows and flows. So what you see is, there's no fear of death for us who know Christ. But when I read this, when I think about what God has given me in my heart, I just want everyone else to have it. I want others to have the same hope. I want others to know the security. I want others to know the grace of God. And that's why it's been so exciting being here today with the motivation of, come on, we can do this. Let's go. Let's go. Because we take the greatest truth the world has ever known. That God himself broke into time to make a way into eternity for all of us. We will discover when we get to eternity that God's grace is much bigger than any of ours, ever than any of us thought. There will be people who will look, really? Because <laughs> God is God. And the choice is way out of my pay grade, which is really good for everybody. <laughs> but actually... Today, I feel God just wants to come and minister to you. There's nothing to fear. I also feel that God wants to minister to some of you who feel like your kids have walked away from God. And you're living with that pain of, yeah, I can kind of get excited by eternity, but what if they're not there? And God just wants to minister to you and just say this. I'm God. I'm loving. I'm caring. Keep praying. And let me be God. Trust me. You've got nothing to fear. And so I think we just need to be a people who just keep seeking him. Carry it in our heart. And really, for those who have gone, there's no loss. Like, the way I see it is they're already with us. We're already there. They've left time. They're in eternity. And in eternity... That's where we will be. So at the return of Jesus, it's not like they're waiting for us. We're there together. So for those who have gone, they're still with us. For us who are left, there is grief. We've got to be real about that. It's painful to say goodbye. I hate saying goodbye to my kids when they go to university. Driving off is the worst drive ever. The drive of silence. You know, when you say goodbye to ones you dearly love and you know you're not going to see them till eternity, it's at cost. But we can have hope that we will meet them again and see them again. And this message lifts our heads to a bigger picture. We're preparing a bride for a day when Jesus will look down and say, it's time. She's beautiful. Let's get married. Let's stand. Father, I thank you so much for these, this church, these congregations, this work. Thank you for the faith and the vision. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the passion. 
Lord, I pray today, anyone who's feeling fearful, Lord, take the fear of death away. Every eyes shut. If, if you today don't know Jesus, and actually you want to have that certainty, you want to know that certainty. I want to know that certainty that I'm going to know and will see Jesus. I want that certainty, that hope for eternity in my heart. Just, just lift your hands now. That's you. And if you're living today with a fear for your own children, fear will they be with you in eternity? Just lift your hands as well. Holy Spirit, we just pray right now. You're the great comforter, the great I am. Come and move amongst us, Lord. Come and move. Come and comfort. Come and bring hope. Come and bring, Lord, the certainty that you are God and that we can trust you. We give you our kids right now and say, Lord, move in their lives. Lord, bring them back. Father, just like me, had a prodigal moment where you, I just had to turn around and return to you. Pray, God, that for everyone. In your name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. When we break bread, what do we do? We remember what Christ has done, and we remember he returns. We look back, we look around to ensure we're in right relationship with one another. We look in to check, am I in the right place with God? And then we look forward, he comes again. And so when you take the bread and wine today, say thank you. I've got eternity to look forward to. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen.